Hello and welcome to another edition of the Short Side Option Podcast. I'm Chris Sork alongside D. Lou, and we turn our attention to the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Uh, we have Seth Youngman of Staking the Plains and stakingtheplains.com to help us preview uh, the Red Raiders in 2019 as they get uh, the Matt Wells era in Lubbock kicked off uh, with uh, with a team that returns a talented signal caller and Alan Bowman. Of course, defense is always a, a hurdle uh, for Texas Tech, but uh, plenty of playmakers and, and a coach with uh, Matt Wells that has uh, a track record of, of doing some good things offensively uh, from his time at Utah State and you know having them uh, up to being a 10-win team. You have to uh, be interested to see, as one of another first-year coaches here in the Big 12, uh, what kind of success he might have uh, right out of the gate. Uh, D. Lou? What do you think about the Texas Tech Red Raiders here as we enter 2019? You know, I think they're kind of a mystery. If you, their season kind of went to hell last year after uh, Bowman went out, hmm. and so you you come back and that's a bit of an unlucky draw there for Cliff Kingsbury. But I think he was kind of walking a yeah. tightrope anyway. And well, they and like you said, they their season started off somewhat promising. I yeah. mean, they found themselves ranked. Um, after a, a really a surprising shellacking of the Oklahoma State Cowboys in in uh, Stillwater, uh, beat them forty one seventeen in what was a, a pretty surprising uh, win for the Red Raiders, especially after um, Oklahoma State, I believe, just the week before or just a little bit earlier in that season, uh, upset or not really not an upset, but they they took care of Boise State pretty convincingly. And Oklahoma State looked like they were going to be a, a team to be reckoned with um, early on, but Texas Tech went in there and, and smacked them around pretty good. Uh, after that, they got beat by West Virginia in a close one, uh, snuck by TCU on a Thursday night, beat KU, set at five wins, set at five and two, lost the remainder of the games. Yeah, I mean, and so it's this isn't a team that. I think a lot of K-State fans are going to remember that cold day uh, last November and look at the Red Raiders like, uh, you know, this is a, just a team that Cliff Kingsbury left in shambles. And I, I think that it, you got to be careful uh, having that perception of the Red Raiders because, listen, that ugly game that uh, Bill Snyder's last home game, mm-hmm. um, that was a different Red Raider team than they were all season just because Bowman was out and uh it's gonna it's a certainly a different team than they'll try out this year under uh, uh Matt Wells and uh so I'll be looking forward to see a team that has some promise and has a very good quarterback down in Lubbock is as, as Lubbock tends to find um but I know I'm, I'm excited to see how Matt Wells does in his first year yeah, when you have to think about uh, all the new coaches in, in the Big 12, Les Miles at KU, Chris Kleiman at K-State, um, Neil Brown at West Virginia, and uh, Matt Wells at Texas Tech, you have to think, looking at that um, at that hire, fit-wise it might seem a little bit off, maybe right at the, at the get-go. Uh, of course, uh, in our interview here with Seth, uh, he mentions Neil Brown, who I had forgotten was... Uh, hey, spoilers, come on. Yeah, well, you know, they'll get to it eventually. But uh, Neil Brown was actually the offensive coordinator uh, under uh, Tommy Tuberville uh, once upon a time at, at Texas Tech. You know, Matt Wells 
typically, you know, a guy that when you think of high-flying offense, he, he typically has more balance approach. Uh, gets it done on the ground a little bit like uh, what you saw at Utah State. Uh, Fit-wise, maybe maybe scratch your head just because it's a little bit of a departure from what Texas Tech is, has previously embraced. Right, and we'll see if uh, this regime can institute a defense. Um, you know, they got all sorts of tools on offense, but the, the big mystery in Lubbock for the last, gosh, I mean, since the start of the Leach era, has been trying to figure out a defense and shore up that side of the ball. And so we'll see if uh, Matt Wells can solve the problem because um, defense wasn't really the issue with him at Utah State, and he got that ship turned around once he brought in David Yost, who will be his uh, man on the offense in Lubbock. Yep, and uh, we talk uh, with Seth here uh, to get us previewed here on Texas Tech. Take a listen. All right, we have uh, Seth Youngman of uh, Staking the Plains and stakingtheplains.com. They cover all things Texas Tech uh, Red Raider related in terms of football, basketball, uh, anything you want regarding Texas Tech. uh, They've got it for you over there. And uh, Seth is kind enough to join us to preview uh, what Texas Tech brings to the table here in 2019. Uh, Seth, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Jim, and how are you guys? Uh, Doing real well. Uh, You know, obviously, K-State and uh, Texas Tech are uh, breaking in first-year coaches. Of course, K-State with Chris Kleiman and Texas Tech with uh, Matt Wells, the the former head coach at uh, Utah State. With Matt Wells taking over for Cliff Kingsbury, obviously uh, uh, an own son of Texas Tech, uh, talk a, a little bit about how the first eight months uh, on the job have gone for Matt Wells in terms of you know how the uh, hire was originally received and and kind of what uh, the thought is right now as we uh, head into 2019. So I think that the initial hire was one where there were a lot of people who were torn uh, between retaining Kingsbury, kind of feeling like that if he had a healthy Bowman, then maybe you know. Rather than having a losing record, there's actually a winning record. So the, the fan base was a little bit uh, uh, torn. Uh, I don't know what the percentage was. It's kind of always hard to read that. But but at the end of the day, Kingsbury just didn't win enough games. And so um, I think that uh, Wells, and this is true, I suppose, of any recruiting class, that first recruiting class, now that the calendar has kind of been moved up to where really the initial signing day in December is the signing day. And then the signing day in February is not as important. And so teams like K-State and West Virginia and Texas Tech all kind of lose that first class because the the calendar is so messed up now. So, uh, so I think that a lot of people were kind of disappointed in the recruiting class that he had um, because it, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of pop or flash, but, Um, but I've been pretty pleased with him. I think that he's made the kids work hard. Uh, I think that there's kind of been some accountability, not that there wasn't before. I guess I always have to preface that because you very much have people who are, um, sensitive to the idea that, well, that means that, you know, Kingsbury wasn't tough. Uh, and I don't think that that necessarily wasn't true, but, you know, things maybe appear to be a little bit different. Um, and I think things maybe appear to be a little bit tougher, uh, but, I think that he's been well received, and I think that the recruiting class for the 2020 season has been much better. And so I think that's kind of restored a little bit of faith in what he's doing on and off the field. Uh, and, of course, we haven't really gotten to see a snap yet um, other than the spring game. So uh, hopefully, uh, I guess in two weeks or so, we'll find out real soon. 
Well, and you spoke a little bit about uh, Alan Bowman and some of the nagging injuries and health issues he had last year. Um, how do you th- how do you see him bouncing back this year and fitting into the uh, Matt Wells and David Yost offense? So, you know, I actually went back. This was something I'd written a while back. And so I think that quarterbacks can pretty much play if they're good in any system, uh, whether it be Pat Mahomes. Maybe you guys are Chiefs fans, but, you know, Pat Mahomes or whatever, you, you know, you can play if you can play. And so one thing that Bowman did last year is that he averaged a little bit over eight yards per attempt and had a quarterback rating of over 150 as a true freshman. And there just aren't a whole lot of players that did that. Uh, Mahomes didn't do it. Graham Harrell didn't do it. Even Graham Harrell is a sophomore. So I think that he basically didn't play his freshman year. Uh, and he got a little bit of time. Well, he didn't play his redshirt freshman year. Didn't play as a freshman very much. But then even in his sophomore year, didn't do a ton. And so, you know, through all these quarterbacks that have come through Texas Tech, he did that, you know. So I think that uh, the high yards per attempt for a true freshman plus the overall nice quarterback rating leads me to believe that he's probably going to be more successful than not. Um, just because I just think that uh, doing those things are, are pretty tough. And as long as, I mean, he has said repeatedly that the punctured lung is not something that's recurring, that once it's healed, it should be stronger than ever. But I kind of get the feeling he wasn't fully healed last year whenever he came back a little bit early against Oklahoma. But, you know, gosh, if he had finished that game, uh, who knows what would have happened. Yeah, I think that's one thing that a lot of people are looking forward to, seeing him out on the field. And, you know, is a lot of the preseason Big 12 stuff that comes out, everybody was kind of enamored with Brock Purdy last year, kind of coming out of nowhere, being a freshman who's, who's really uh, taken the league by storm. But as you mentioned, Alan Bowman gets kind of overshadowed in that conversation, likely just because of the injury issues. Yeah, I don't know that people really kind of realize that statistically, you know, and again, you kind of have to extrapolate out, you know, the yards and touchdowns or whatever. But I think that he would have been statistically better than Brewer for sure at Baylor. And um, I think that Iowa State just had a better football team than Tech, obviously. That isn't necessarily anything to write home about. But, but yeah, I mean, he did a lot more and he did it as a legit true freshman. So, yeah, he put up crazy good numbers for someone. Uh, that was relatively unheralded. Uh, you know, um, I don't think that there were a ton of people knocking down the doors. And of all things, his dad was a quarterback at um, Penn State. Uh, so he played a lot whenever he was at Penn State. I think he was a starter. So, I mean, he's got it. He's got the genes for it. Um, so, uh, you know, hopefully we've got a good one and hopefully we can hold on to it for a long time. And uh, hopefully, you know, if it goes under the radar, it's good for us, I suppose. Yeah, and uh, staying on the offensive side, you referenced that if you're a good quarterback, you can play in pretty much any system. Um, can, what is, exactly is David Yo's system? I know he was, I believe he coached under Pinkle at mm-hmm. Missouri for a while. And so is, do you expect this to be a, some kind of great offensive transition like we saw from Leach to Tuberville? Or is this a smoother transition where it'll still be a pass-heavy quarterback-focused offense? Um, you know, the, you know, from Leach to Tuberville was really Leach to Neil Brown. So Tuberville didn't really have anything to do with the offense. It was actually all Neil Brown, the West Virginia head coach. And so, yeah. And so, um, 
he just did a ton more uh, screens uh, than Leach did. And so he wasn't as vertical. Um, and so with Yost, though, um, he runs with a tight end. I think he had said something that he runs with a tight end, um, something like 97% of plays. So he's always in 11 personnel uh, almost all the time. And so that's going to be a distinct difference as opposed to running four wide. And, um, and so uh, he also ran the ball probably 50-50. Um, and he said kind of repeatedly that he'll also use the screen game uh, with uh, wide receiver screens um, just to kind of like make the defenders have to creep up and not back off, you know? So if you've got a cornerback getting the receiver 10 yards, well then you just throw it out there and that's an easy five or six yards. So, uh, and then whenever the receiver or the cornerback creeps up a little too much, well then you can kind of pop off the top of the defense that way. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. You know, I always kind of wonder, you know, the spread and all that other good stuff being a little bit, um, you know, what exactly is it, I suppose. Uh, so with Leach, you know, you're definitely throwing the ball probably 70% of the time. With Kingsbury, probably ran the ball maybe 35% of the time, so he's still pretty pass heavy. But I think with Yost, you'll see more emphasis on the running game. And, in fact, um, they're also just really, really quick pop passes. I think that Utah State only had like 10 sacks given up all last year. Uh, and they averaged, I mean, they were really, really good running the ball too. So uh, if we can get some of that, I'm, I'm all for it. Seth Youngman of uh, Staking the Plains uh, here with us to talk a little Texas Tech. Um, Seth, let's kind of transition over to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Keith Patterson, the new defensive coordinator for the Red Raiders, uh, trying to institute a 3-3-5 defense uh, for the Red Raiders this upcoming season. Obviously, uh, you know, if you have to point to one thing that uh, has been the bugaboo, so to speak, for Texas Tech here in the past that has kept them from really uh, competing for, uh, for a spot in the Big 12 title uh, has been a faulty defense. Uh, what what do you expect uh, on the on that side of the ball, uh, especially with the new scheme and and some new uh, some new staff changes on that side of the ball? So I think that with the old staff with Gibbs, you know he ran a little bit more traditional four three, but even then his kind of fourth down lineman kind of that rush defensive end was kind of hybridish linebackerish, and the same thing with that fifth defensive back, right? So it was kind of the same thing. It was a guy that was maybe could play a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage, but also uh, was maybe good in space too. And so that's kind of what Patterson's doing pretty much. Um, you know, we only got to see the spring game, so um, we don't have a ton of um, data to kind of base our judgments on. But, you know, from kind of what I saw, that the defensive line is probably going to be a little bit more active, whereas Gibbs – um, was a little bit more traditional and didn't like to take chances. I think that Patterson's definitely going to take chances. Um, he's big into turnovers, just like Gibbs was. And maybe the other big thing, too, um, is, is going to be that uh, it, it's not just turnovers, but pressure. So it's kind of a little bit of a cliche. Everybody in the offseason says, um, well, you know, we want a defense that's going to create turnovers and it's going to be pressure and lots of sacks or whatever, but then that never kind of comes into reality because it's just not practical for defenses unless you're Alabama or Clemson and you can do whatever you want because you have the athletes that can do it. 
Um, but I kind of get the feeling that Patterson really is going to do that all year long. Um, you know, he was the defensive coordinator at uh, West Virginia a handful of years ago, and it was not a good experience. And so it'll be interesting to see what he learned in between then and now. I think he had a stop, a couple stops at Arizona State and then Utah State. Um, and so his defense has definitely been a lot better, but I think it's predicated upon having really good linebackers and tech does have some really good linebackers. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if he can kind of implement what he wants to do. Well, we, uh, obviously spent some time earlier on Alan Bowman, uh, the kind of the focal point of what Texas tech brings back offensively. Uh, but Seth, I was curious, what maybe are some players to watch, uh, on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, uh, some players that could be X factors for Texas Tech, maybe that folks uh, may not know much about or, uh, you know, folks that are, are looking forward to taking a big step up this year. Uh, OK, so um, probably the best guy on the line is uh, Jack Anderson. He's going to play guard and he is fantastic. He's probably going to be an All-American candidate. Um, and then uh, at running back, I think Tajon Henry is going to be uh, terrific. Uh, Yost loves the kind of water bug running back, and he fits that to just to a T. Um, at receiver, I think that Eric Uzukama, uh, I'm probably butchering his name, but uh, uh, he's going to be, uh, he was a redshirt freshman last year, or he was a freshman, like, yeah, redshirt freshman last year, so he's a freshman this year. And he had a fantastic spring game. He was just fantastic. Uh, and at tight end, uh, we had a kid named Donta Thompson who played last year like around oh six foot four or five and around 220. And he has packed down 20 pounds over the offseason. So uh, with the specific intent that he's going to have his hands on the dirt. And uh, so hopefully he gets a little bit more opportunities than he did last year. I think last year he had like one target. So it's not like he got a ton of opportunities out of Kingsbury's offense. And so uh, Yost likes the tight ends. He's going to throw to them. They're not just window dressing. So it'll be interesting to see how he um, does. And then I think also maybe McLean Mannix is going to be fantastic. He's a transfer from Nevada uh, who uh, will play inside. Um, and then on defense, uh, Jordan Brooks is probably the leader of the defense. That linebacker, he was just uh, really terrific. Um, just kind of your very standard, very well-built linebacker. I think he's very traditional, but I think he's got a little bit of speed to him. Uh, I love Rico Jeffers. I think he's a better player than Jordan Brooks, uh, but he's only going to be a sophomore, I think, um, or perhaps a junior. I can't remember. Um, uh, but I think that he's got a little bit more range than Brooks. And um, in the secondary, a guy, Doug Coleman, has apparently just completely bought into the new staff, which is always kind of one of those signs where he's probably going to get a lot of playing time. And then um, we had a kid from uh, a cornerback, Zach McPherson, who's apparently making a lot of noise at cornerback. So he was a transfer from Penn State. Um, and all along the line, um, Eli Howard and Broderick Washington are all guys who should – theoretically just be really good there's a very veteran group of defensive linemen and my hope is is that with their improvement so improves uh, the rest of the team uh, or especially the defense for sure if they can get pressure on a the quarterback then you know that just leads to good things yeah that's uh it'll be interesting to see uh some of those names of course texas tech never has any uh problem usually putting up po lots of points on offense uh, it'll be interesting to see which names. It seems like no matter who 
uh, who is, you know, leaves to graduation or to the next level. Uh, Texas Tech always has guys that step up and uh, and you don't lose a ton of production uh, on that side of the ball. So, uh, Seth, we, we've got you here. Uh, we'd like to do a little segment we call three and outs on the short right. side option. Uh, just three quick questions. And uh, I want to get your thoughts here on this. Uh, so I'm going a little bit off the wall here with my first one. So Texas Tech, I think, is right now one of the better athletic programs in the country in terms of well-rounded, in terms of what they've done, obviously uh, an overtime away from being national champions in basketball. Uh, obviously baseball has gone to uh, several college world series here in the last uh, couple of seasons. If I was to ask you which uh, of those programs, uh, football included here too, uh, is, is to bring the first national title home or not bring the first national title home, but bring another national title home to Lubbock, uh, who would you say that might be? Gosh, I would probably put my money on the track and field team again because they just did it in the spring and in the fall. Or actually, they didn't do it in the spring. Um, they didn't win the indoor national championship, but they won the yeah, outdoor national championship. That. Yes. So so I'll put my money on the guys uh, on the track and field team to do it again. But, I mean, honestly, anytime that you get so close like Beard and Tedlock have done, it, it's just hopefully a matter of time. Hopefully fans don't get disgruntled and – you know, oh, well, he never wins the big one. Well, gosh, dang it. You know, <laughs> you're getting so close. So, you know, I think that's going to happen eventually. At least that's my hope. So, but I'll put my money on the track and field team. But gosh, Beard and, and Tadlock have done an amazing job. And hopefully Wells can get there someday soon. Yeah, no question with uh, Tim Tadlock and, and Chris Beard, two of the uh, two of the best of what they do in their uh, respective sports. No question about that. Um Next question, we, we obviously had talked about Alan Bowman a good amount, uh, a guy that I think is really, provided he stays healthy, uh, could be uh, right there uh, in terms of an all-Big 12 team. Uh, curious, if I asked you if Alan Bowman makes either the first or the second team all-Big 12 this year, what would you say? Probably not. Uh, I think that he's fighting uh, Erlinger, or however you say his name at Texas, um, and, you know, the media tends to kind of really glom on to a guy, even though maybe his stats aren't better. Sure. Um, so I don't think that – and I think that Purdy's really pretty good. Um, i trying to think who else has is, is really been pretty good at quarterback. Uh, in the Jalen Hurts of Oklahoma will, of course, have uh, the opportunity yeah. to put up some huge numbers there, of course, too. It's, it's funny, too, because when you look at uh, – you know what Bowman was able to do when he was healthy. If he if you project that out over uh, you know a 12 game season, uh, his stats should be able to stand up with really anyone in the conference. Yeah, that's true. And I've totally forgotten about Hurts, but yeah, it'll be interesting if Hurts. I don't know if he's really suited to play in that particular offense with the kind of accuracy that um, Murray and Mayfield had. So I think it's going to be crazy interesting to watch him this year. I don't. I don't know what to expect, but I don't, I don't know that he's going to be as good as those guys were. Yeah, one of the um, very interesting storylines to follow, one of the many uh, throughout the Big 12, is what uh, Jalen Hurts looks like uh, under a new system at Oklahoma. That will be something we, we keep an eye on for sure. And, uh, Seth, uh, final question for you. We've asked every uh, one of the folks that have been able to come on with us. Uh, the season win total uh, for Texas Tech, uh, each each of uh, p- folks that we have uh, previewing this, we've asked them to pick their teams 
Uh, over or under on their season win total for Texas Tech, it's at six and a half wins. Uh, if you were a betting man, which uh, which side would you find yourself on of that six and a half? I would probably take the under, uh, probably the safer bet. Um, I think that the offense is going to be better than probably a lot of people are expecting. Um, and I think that the defense is going to improve. Uh, but, it, boy, it all just kind of hinges on whether or not the running game is as good as I think it's going to be. Um, because I think that the running game is better than the offense theoretically is going to be on the field a little bit longer. And if they're on the field a little bit longer, then there's less opportunities for the defense, you know, kind of a total yards type situation where maybe the defense doesn't look as good as a result of all the, all the yards that they're giving up. So, but I'll still take the under and think that six wins is probably pretty good. I think most fans would be pretty happy with that. I think that I would be too. Um, I'm sure there'll be one rule, you know, there'll be one where you shouldn't lose and maybe one or two that you do lose that kind of gets you to that six wins. But I think that six is, is probably a pretty safe bet. Well, uh, Seth, I want to let you know you're part of a, uh, a watershed moment here on the short side option. of We have uh, gone through pretty much everyone in the Big 12. We're only missing Texas and KU so far. And you are the only person uh, to give us an under play on the season. So, uh, off- <laughs> So like realistic fan, get out of here. Well, I you know, and the other thing too is, I mean, six wins. That's not the get into a bowl game in your first year under the Matt Wells uh, era would would have to be something that most Tech fans, I would assume, would consider a success. So maybe slightly under, but uh, still, still, what would be a good season for the Red Raiders? Absolutely, I'll take it in a heartbeat. So, well, Seth, uh, thank you again for making some time for us. Uh, we'll be sure uh, to uh, to keep in touch throughout the season. Of course, uh, listeners, you can find all of Seth and all of the other uh, folks over there at Staking the Plains and uh, stakingtheplains.com. Uh, they can get you all squared away on uh, anything Texas Tech related. Uh, Seth, thanks again for making some time for us today. Chris and Drew, thank you so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks again uh, to Seth Youngman uh, of Staking the Plains and stakingtheplains.com, getting us some great information there on Texas Tech. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, it's it's an interesting team, plenty of firepower, especially if Bowman can stay healthy. Uh, He also, as we mentioned, uh, Seth is the first to select his team to go under, but just barely, just barely an under. At, At six and a half wins, uh, Seth still sees him uh, going to a bowl game at, at six wins, it sounds like. So uh, you'd have to constitute that as a, a relatively uh, pretty successful year uh, for Texas Tech. So, uh, Dila, what do you think, uh, after listening to what Seth has to say about the Red Raiders, what do you think about their prognosis here in 2019? Well, as I'm looking down their schedule, it's especially in the Big 12, I think it's pretty front-loaded. Um, yeah. Their, their first game, I mean, right out the gate, they, they faced – Two uh, two non cons that are going to be pretty simple, but then they're on the road in Tucson facing an Arizona Wildcats team. That's Kevin Sumlin. Yeah, Khalil then, Tate, uh, Heisman contender early on last year, and didn't really adjust that system. But uh, you know, year two under that system could be a big year for for the Wildcats. Yeah, and uh, but then come conference play, uh, they go to Norman right off the bat, uh, then host Oklahoma State, and then they're at Waco. Um, so, uh, and then they host Iowa State the week after that. And so th- that's an important four-game stretch for this team and, and four of uh, some of the better teams in the Big 12, especially with Oklahoma. Um, that There's not going to be a lot of uh, room for uh, Wells to 
to take his time and getting his team together because that's a that's a rough stretch. Uh, that's a rough four game stretch before they played Kansas. Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good point. Uh, when you look at also to the you know it does ease up for him in the back half, uh, going to KU bye week at West Virginia. So there's a little bit of I mean that West Virginia trip's a far one, but. They get a week off before. Uh, that that should help a little bit with that. And then uh, close out with TCU, K-State at home, and then uh, Texas the day after Thanksgiving. So we'll be interested to see. When I when I look at the schedule, I think six wins is about right where I would probably – I would probably have set the line at six wins. I would have got rid of the hook there and, and uh, you know, made it, uh, made it about six. I – if you're looking at seven wins for this Texas Tech team, that would be pretty darn impressive if, if Matt Wells is able to do that in his inaugural season. Yeah, I mean, I think that six is about right. I, I, I'm looking at that Arizona game as a game that will tell us a lot about uh, this Texas Tech team, just in terms of, okay, how does Matt Wells' system, how, how do the Red Raiders look against a Power 5 opponent? I think that's going to tell us a lot more than the two non-cons in will likely tell us more than the game in Norman. Um, kind of how this uh, Tech team adjusts to Matt Wells and uh, David Yo's system. And also, it'll let us know if Bowman is, uh, how he's doing and whether he's ready to, you know, take the punishment that is being a quarterback in the Power Five. Yeah, you know, I think, obviously, you have to look at if Alan Bowman's able to stay healthy, this is a team that can win seven or eight games potentially. Um, you know, they get in a shootout. Texas Tech can win there uh, with the best of them. But it'll be definitely interesting to see what, uh, what he's able to. I know Seth mentioned I w- that was one of my questions. With, with something like a collapsed lung, once you collapse at once, is it something that recur- reoccurs with frequency? But it sounds like uh, he should be good to go from that perspective. So I can't imagine how painful uh, a collapsed lung would have to be. I, I uh, thankfully we've never had one. So. Yeah, can't imagine. It feels very good, but uh, certainly rooting for uh, Mr. Bowman in every game except for the one on uh, November twenty third. Uh, but I uh, no, I th- I tend to agree with you too. I think that I hover more towards six than I do seven. Yeah. Um, but there's enough toss up games on here that you know if you squint hard enough. You, you can see eight wins. I mean, yeah. that yeah, they no get question. Iowa State at home. I think that's a benefit. It's they get Oklahoma State at home. I mean, if they take care of business on the at home and take care of business in Lawrence, then there's all seven. of a sudden, yeah. I mean, it's in Tucson too. Yeah, but you know, there there are oh, plenty of either. yeah. Go ahead. There are plenty of winnable games on this uh, schedule where if Tech can just hold serve and win the games that you know they'll be pick them or favorites in I think that I think seven wins is certainly within reach yeah I think that Arizona game that you mentioned uh you know on the road in Tucson is really the swing game uh for Texas Tech I mean obviously you get a good amount of momentum also too with K-State is it's very similar here um where they start their they start conference play with a bye um they get a bye going into their their game their conference opener against um, against the Oklahoma Sooners. That's going to be a tough one for anyone in this league to win, especially in Norman. 
But, you know, if you go into conference play 3-0, and you feel pretty good about yourself there at that point. In terms of their conference schedule, I, th- I look at two games that really are kind of the swing games for me, and that's uh, Oklahoma State and Iowa State both at home. Really, and I would say Oklahoma State and Baylor, actually. Baylor? Yeah, I mean, I, I, sure. if they can steal one from Iowa State, I, I think that that would be huge for them. But I think that that two-game stretch where uh, they get Iowa State at home on October 5th yeah. and the next week they travel to Waco, if they can, if they can split that, I think that they, uh, they just not start 0 and 3. Just yeah. not start 0 and 3 in conference play. Yeah, that would be huge. That would be huge. No question about that. So, well, but I th- on, the, on the other side of that coin, there's a very real possibility that Tech could be staring down the barrel of a two and five season in their first seven games because none of those are gimmies at all. No. And, you know... You're, if, you're, you're not even giving our old pal Dana Dimmel at UTEP a chance? Uh, <laughs> I forgot. Uh, that'll be a fun one to watch, too, actually, just for uh, our morbid curiosity on how Dana Dimmel's doing. But, uh, yeah, that first... With the exception of, you know, that four, those four games, Arizona, Tech, Baylor, and Iowa State, uh, I think will be fascinating to watch because if, if the ball goes right... If the ball bounces right for them... Then I could see them getting very hot and starting six and one. Uh, on the other hand, they could very easily be two and five. Yeah. Yep. No, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, of course, with a first-year head coach, uh, there, there's that level of unknown as well. So it will be interesting to follow uh, what uh, what Matt Wells does in his first season at Texas Tech. One more thing before uh, we wrap this up here on uh, the Texas Tech preview on the short side option. When you think about of the of the new hires in the Big Twelve, uh, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on this. Where, in terms of what you think is the best hire, uh, where does Matt Wells fit into the the new hires in the Big Twelve? Ooh, that's a good question. I know he was probably received. It's it's hard to gauge this because I think he and Kleiman were probably the most poorly received by the fan bases. I yeah. know that there wasn't much fanfare in Lubbock, or at least that's uh, that's my recollection. That's my recollection as well. And uh, it wasn't necessarily poor like uh, you know, upheaval, but lukewarm maybe. A little bit maybe a little bit warmer than lukewarm. Yeah, I would put him probably in the same category as Kleiman where there's just a lot of question marks around it. Um, you know, I I, I didn't think it was a dynamite out of this world hire, which when they hired Cliff Kingsbury, I thought that's a great hire. Yeah, uh, you did. Yeah, I did. Just because, I mean, I think everybody kind of fell into that trap where, you know, it was a son of Texas Tech who was kind of a hot young mind, and uh, you know, I thought, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Um, so it shows what I know because his tenure probably isn't viewed um, extremely favorably by sure. the Tech faithful, but uh, I think it's a fine hire. I think, um, you know, we won, what, 11 games last year? And he's been... he's had counting the bowl game, yes. Yeah, he's had a great run since David Yost took over uh, offense at Utah State. And if David Yost is coming with him to Lubbock, I don't see um, any reason that he should, uh, you know, fall short of expectations down in Texas Tech. What do you, what do you think about the hire? You know, I think it's, it's a good hire. I think you don't... I think Texas Tech wanted a little bit... In when I say Texas Tech, I think I should preface that by saying 
Kirby Hocutt, uh, the, the guy calling the shots there at Texas Tech, athletic director uh, for the Red Raiders, of course, former K-State uh, you know, linebacker uh, under Bill Snyder, that they probably wanted to get away a little bit from the Mike Leach tree, the, the um, kind of the – I mean, it, it's not necessarily an air raid. I'm kind of struggling to call what exactly – it's just more of a spread look rather than an air raid look that – that Yost and um, Anderson are, are looking to bring there a little bit more reliant on the run uh, from what, uh, of course, with what Seth had to say and as well as just my overall impressions of, of what uh, they're looking to do. So I think it'll be interesting. It, it, there will probably be a, a bit of growing pains with as there is with any new coach. Uh, but when you have a quarterback like Alan Bowman, uh, you just know, a sophomore. just a sophomore too, and someone you can really build around, I think that's a – that's something that's really nice to have as a, as a coach getting started, um, you know, at a new school. Yeah, certainly didn't leave the cupboard bare uh, for the new head coach. Okay, well, I think that pretty well covers it here for Texas Tech. Uh, our unofficial kind of feel here on the Red Raiders is I think we're both uh, in the same boat here, about six and six. Yeah, I think that's where uh, where they make sense. Of course, we'll have our official predictions uh, later on. Uh, prior to the season, but uh, we'll, uh, I think we're in the same position here where we think that Wells probably isn't going to beat the number this year, but uh, certainly isn't going to fall too far short. Okay, well, that will do it here uh, for the short side options preview of the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Thanks again to Seth uh, for coming on with us. And uh, the short side option uh, tour through the Big 12 has two more schools remaining with uh, the Texas Longhorns and the Kansas Jayhawks. Uh, We'll get you uh, previewed on those two teams uh, here coming up on the short side option. Take care.